This episode is brought to you by Fleximize, a multi-award winning digital business lender dedicated to providing UK SMEs with flexible finance done properly. Connor Chaplin sets it switch on their way. Cameron Burgess is 2-0. It's brought in. It's 2-1. It's saved by Walton. Incredible scenes here in front of the Sir Bobby Robson stand. Championship bound Ipswich Town. Hello everybody, welcome along to the official Ipswich Town podcast available also on Town TV. We are taking you to the heart of the action, really are taking you behind the scenes uh, of the heart of the action this week. We have got two of Kieran McKenna's most integral components with us. Lee Grant and Charlie Turnbull join us on this episode and, and talk everything about what goes on behind the scenes here at the football club. Tell you what, here they are with us. Guys, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for having us. How are you? You well? Yeah. Really enjoying well. yourself? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, enjoying the start to season for sure. Um, if you were to sum up the start to the season in three words, what, what would you? How did it? Uh, first one, first word I'd use is probably just basics. Um, it's a new season. It's it's the championship season, but actually we're we're just we're relying on our fundamentals that we used last season. Um, so that would be my first word. I don't know whether you've got a different one. Um, yeah. The details as well, which sounds odd considering you've just said basics, but um, we've obviously put a lot of work into the minutiae of like what it is we're we're trying to do, and the manager is um, is big on the little stuff, and um, I think the lads have done really well on executing the small the small things that make a big difference. Um, so yeah, I would I would definitely say details as. It's been a key one for us over the course of the first 10 games, for sure. That's just one word. You've got two more. One more. Uh, two more. So, I mean... Basics. Yeah. Details. Yeah. I think probably third one would be adapt. Adapting. Because as much as we said we're relying on our, our fundamentals and our principles, it is, a, it is a different league. There's like there's a lot of different challenges that we've faced already just in this, this first part of the season. Um, and we've had to do a lot of work internally as staff but also with the players on finding ways of adapting and obviously so far um, we've managed to adapt to a lot of different challenges that we didn't face last year and we're certainly going to get a lot more of those coming up so is it fun it is fun yeah it is fun Um, but it's it's intense as well at the same time isn't it it's really intense and um, that's the way we like it obviously um we always try and retain an element of of fun and humour. Um, I think you need to because otherwise you wouldn't want to come into work every day. And we work hard and we're in there a lot. Um, and we're in each other's company a great deal of time. So it's important that we are having fun and we're enjoying ourselves. And um, yeah, um, we have to make space for that. We definitely have to make space for that. Is it selfish of me to look at this incredible home goal scoring record 52 goals in 15 games and say my three words are more goals please (laughs) yeah let you answer that one mate well striker coach (laughs) yeah um more goals please yeah we um we love scoring goals we love entertaining and the players you know clearly enjoy um putting the ball in the back of the net and we obviously had great success at um in doing so last year so to have been able to continue to continue that um, and be on a really nice trajectory with that is is wonderful. Um, we don't expect that this season's always going to be like that for sure. We, um, as Charlie mentioned, like the challenges this year are varied and some of them are yeah much greater than what, the ones we faced last year. So we're prepared for the moments when it's going to be tough and we're prepared for the moments when we're going to have to find different ways. But currently the boys are. Um, are really executing well in front of goal and um, yeah long may that continue of course when someone asks you what you do for a living what what, what do you tell them um, well we're coaches first and foremost but probably the way 
that I've always seen the role is um, just helping the boss develop the team and develop the individuals within that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're here to support the gaffer as much as we can to develop each player within the squad as much as we possibly can. And we all, as a staff, have a, like a, a fundamental belief that the better we develop each individual, the better the package will be out, um, out on the pitch and, and the better the team will be and the better the squad will be. So that's definitely the way that I kind of would explain it to you know, someone that didn't know exactly what I did. Lee, is he a coach or is he a human scientist? The boss or Charlie? Charlie. He's definitely a coach. And um, so for me, I feel really privileged because, um, you know, I've come in, I'm older than Charlie by a good whack, as you can tell. But um, I'm certainly the most junior coach on the staff. And um, I've been really lucky that I'm getting to learn from three, four, including Reg, really well experienced and fantastic coaches. And obviously Charlie's one of those. And um, we get to work really closely together. Um, so, of course, alongside his role with, as an analyst and, and, and heading up that department, um, his work is, you know, I wouldn't say predominantly, it is on the grass. That's the majority of your work. And, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's wonderful to be able to see someone who's got that experience that I can lean on and really tap into. And, um, yeah, as far as our role, I think Charlie's encapsulated it perfectly. It really is just finding a way to support the, the manager in terms of, what it is he wants and um, because uh, you know a hundred times out of a hundred the manager's getting it right so if we can really um, if we can really have a clear idea of what that is and follow through with that and, and give that over to the players then that will leave us in a good position and a, and a good place which is um, yeah and thankfully I'm starting to understand that a little bit better with the help of you know Charlie and Martin and um, you know the the roles are really clear and well-defined within the coaching group. And I think that's been a help as well. Tell me about your progression from Lee Grant goalkeeper, fantastic shot stopper, to Lee Grant, oh, see that guy, Kieran McKenna. Yeah, me and him are pals, we can work together, to Lee Grant coach. How, how do you move so seamlessly in between all these transitions? Um, well, interestingly, I mean, Kieran and I's relationship was really a pretty formal one and, and really just a professional one. Um, so when the call came from Kieran to come and, you know, to ask if I wanted to come and join the staff, it was a little bit out of the blue. Um, but one, if I'm being really honest, I was like deep down hoping would come. Obviously, when he left, I was so happy for him and Martin. And um, I think one of the last things I said was, don't forget me and give us a call if you need a coach in, in another year's time. And... Um, Obviously, the call came, so really proud f for that to have happened. And then, um, in all honesty, I have, to put, I have to put it down to the manager in terms of his idea and his vision for what he thought I could be and offer him, more so than what it is exactly that you know, I was saying I could do or um, even, had it, uh, even had in my own mind's eye of what, what it is I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to coach and I knew I wanted to manage at some point in the future, but Kieran's vision for how it would look for him and his, and his coaching team and his unit and, and here at Ipswich Town was um, his idea and his doing. And um, thankfully, it's a role that I was really motivated to come and do and excited for and, um, yeah, just feel really lucky to be in a role that I enjoy doing. Um, and that I'm learning loads and loads and loads every day. Um, so, yeah, it's um, the transition's not all been plain sailing. It's not just like I've hopped from one thing to the other and it's been like, this is, this is easy. Um, because you're starting at the bottom again. It's a new career, effectively. Um, of course, playing is, gives you a segue into coaching, but um, you are learning lots of new skills. And as I say, having um, people that are, you know, really good teachers as well, like Charlie and Martin that I'm working really close with, um, to lean on has been a huge help. I'm always so fascinated to learn more about Kieran. We have opportunities to speak to him and yeah. it's always interesting. And I think one thing I'll, I'll note about all you guys as a coaching unit, you're all very deep thinkers. 
you're very deep thinkers. And one of the first things you talked to me about was about environments and cultures and someone we both know from our time before here at Ipswich Town always talked about cultures and environments. And that is what you guys are building here. We'll come on to that in a minute. But tell me about Kieran when you first met him because he's the hottest property in, in EFL football management right now. And presumably you guys are like a travelling band. You'll be going with him, hopefully, um, you know, and progressing with him up up, up, up through his career and, and hopefully with this club up into into the high echelons of, of the football pyramid. But tell me about him, what you noticed about him and what makes him unique and, and very, very special. Come on, Charlie, I'll let you kick that one off. Yeah, my my relationship with the boss goes back quite a long way. Um, so I, I played for him at university back at uh, Loughborough. And um, I, was, I was sort of 20, 21 at the time, still hoping to become a professional footballer. He wasn't that much older than me, still a, you know, a, a student at, at Loughborough. And, and it really struck me the first, the first you know, week of coaching um, from the boss, it really struck me because the whole way through my journey as a player up until that point, I had older coaches, um, ones that you couldn't necessarily relate to that easily. And it was the first example I'd had of a coach that was of a similar age, obviously older than me, but a similar age, could really speak to you on a level and immediately you just had that like really good rapport with. Um, and you could tell immediately, I, I could tell literally within the first week, I, you know, you were dealing with like an exceptional coach, exceptional coach in terms of his, um, his coaching, his content, but also his ability to connect with people. Both things shone through straight away. And I've, I've probably said this in the past, but actually that was the first example I had as like a role model for me. And it probably in, inspired me a fair bit in fairness to, to you know, become a, a coach myself. Lee? Um, yeah, so I obviously come across Kieran for the first time when we were uh, at United and um, of course you're blown away a little bit by the fact that how young he is and that he's been he's been brought up to the first team and um, given huge amounts of responsibility to, to coach and lead um, one of the biggest football clubs in the land. Um, so that was an eye-opener straight away. And as as Chaz said, his the content of what he's delivering was um, really top notch, and he was able to command the everybody's attention. And I'm talking about players that have won World Cups and Champions Leagues, and um, that was an eye opener straight away to see that. Um, and then, really, I think the thing that's probably since that moment, of course, having worked underneath him, um, seen his qualities. But the thing that's um, probably stood out the most is how he's transitioned from being a top, top coach um, who understood players and was able to connect with young players and um, was a real, um, was really passionate about developing young players um, to being a manager and all of the skills and the different skill sets that go along with being a manager, which um, some find really difficult. There's some real... Um, so many aspects to it it's just it's never ending almost and to have come here just over a year ago and witnessed that within a week um, I was really blown away by his transition from top coach to um, what we see now as in my opinion a real top manager um, so yeah as as Chaz said um, his ability on the grass is what really separates him um, and what what the players love about him the most, but then his ability to connect with them on the other side and do it with humility and do it with just a real sense of like um, being a normal bloke, <laughs> which some managers struggle with a little bit. Um, that's the bit that really just wraps wraps the whole thing together, and um, I think creates you know what you des- what you described there as somebody who's on a on a wonderful trajectory. Right. Forget the boss for a minute. Let's talk about you guys. Um, Tyler, come to you in a moment. Lee, do people not ask you why you don't coach goalkeepers? Yeah, they do. They still do. Um, they still do. And I think that's a natural question, not one for me to sort of be frustrated about. It's, it's. Um, I'm probably 
treading along a path that you know is um, not it's not the normal one. So it's normal for people to say, you know, are you heading down that road and um, perhaps try and pigeonhole you? But um, I, I made it pretty clear to myself quite a long time ago that wasn't going to be the path I wanted to take. And um, anybody that's known me or has been around me in the past ten years will like, will have known that as well. Of course, to the wider football world and anybody who's not interested in Lee Grant, uh, you, you wouldn't know that. So it's, you know, that's fine. But um, for me, the end goal has always been wanting to um, step out and and manage at some point in the future. I think <laughs> having spent some time underneath Kieran over the last year or so, you realise very quickly that to ever, to ever try and achieve the levels that he's, you know, he's operating at currently... There's so much work to be done, and um, as I say, I feel really fortunate that I'm getting um, I'm getting one of the best educations in coaching and football management that, that probably is available in world football. I'd actually go as far to say currently with with Martin and his experience and, and network, and Charlie and his experience, and the manager. I just and, and Reg, and I just feel so lucky. So for me, um, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a surprise that people perhaps believe or think that that's the, the route you're going to head but for, um, for me it's it's always been the, the dream to head off you know as a manager at some point it, it feels like a really smart move though when you think about it a goalkeeper or a former goalkeeper coaching strikers because effectively you can turn around to a striker and go well from a keeper's perspective we are going to go this way you could go x y and z it it's kind of like reverse psychology it's working really it's, it's a really good idea as I say, I'm not taking any credit for it. Um, that's that's certainly down to the boss. So um, uh, I've I've always sort of come in and I've lo- I love and I try and work with the players with energy and I bring all of that stuff. And any ideas that I bring are just their ideas that I don't profess to be an expert in anything. Um, I'm still young and learning, um, still learning my my trade myself. Um, but the players been incredible and really receptive and wide-eyed when it comes to my ideas and and anything that I have been um, I have wanted to share or offer as an opinion Um, and I've certainly learned from them over the last you know last year or so so um, that's been wonderful for me and I certainly feel like I'm making strides I've got long a long long way to go and as I say the more I'm around Kieran um, the more work I realize I've I've got to do um, and the further away the dream gets but that's fine as I say I don't have any plans um, whatsoever to to do anything currently, other than um, learn from these guys, enjoy the enjoy the journey that we're on here with Ipswich Town. The pro license is in the bag, so that's a, a big step towards your uh, future ambitions. Uh, Charlie, with regards to you, you talked about playing. Tell me about you and your playing career. Yeah, um, I was a I was a half decent player as a young as a young player. I had a had a half decent youth career. Um, and kind of got to the point around 19, 20, 21, where I kind of had a bit of a decision to make. Um, and I kind of, I guess I made the call that I, I always had good technique and I always understood the game well, but I didn't really feel like I had the top, top level physicality to play at the, you know, the level that uh, Ali, for instance, um, ended up playing at. Um, and... I'd probably seen that there was a there was another pathway for me, and I've just felt like my ceiling as a as an analyst or as a coach would be higher than than what it would have been as a player. I feel like probably as a player i could have i could have maybe if I stuck at it had had an okay career and and obviously it's not to um it's not to downplay you know a career in say the lower leagues or in in the non league because a lot of players do that and you know, <coughs> earn well from it and really enjoy their experience. But I just didn't feel like it was ever going to be the right thing for me. And as I say, I had that kind of, um, I guess that example of of someone like the boss, who I could see well actually there's a career there's a career out there and actually my ceiling could could be far higher going down this this path. So yeah, around about around about 21, I, I kind of made the call to move away from playing and, and start actually um, you know, dedicating myself to, to, to learning to coach. You went on, you're an analyst here, you're, you're now a coach. Do you think you're a football nerd? 
How dare you? No, I'm joking. I think it's an absolute <laughs> compliment to be called a football nerd. Um, do I think I'm a football nerd? I wouldn't put it like that. I wouldn't Lee? put it like that. But Lee, you can jump in on this if you think he's a football nerd. No, I can't describe Charlie's in the, way, <laughs> the unfair. It's too cool to be a nerd. No, I, I, I know what you're getting at. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely say I'm someone with an eye for detail. I like to be quite thorough in the way that I work. So yeah, I kind of kind of know what, what, what route you're going down there. Yeah. I was going to say that within our coaching department, to others, um, to others on the outside or from other football clubs, if they were to perhaps step inside our office, you might come away thinking that we were all a bit nerdy or we did nothing other than talk because it is, it's intense. We spend a lot of time talking about a lot of the small stuff. Um, but as I said at the very beginning, I feel like that's the, that's the stuff that's really helping us. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you look at... If you look at all of our roles, the manager included, um, you know, previously I had a title around analysis, but when you look at the day-to-day role of all of us, it's it's a pretty even split between analysis and coaching, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's, yeah. You, you really can't separate the two at, at this level of the game now. Like all coaches are, well, pretty much all coaches at this level are proficient analysts as well, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Um, so, you know, my title as analyst, say, last year, I think you were probably doing as much analysis as I was and I was doing as much coaching as you were. And, and you know, likewise with the gaffer and Perty and, and Reg, we're all kind of, you know, I suppose, chipping in, in in both areas. And it's really hard to separate the two because they both, they both just support each other and it'd be impossible to do it without both. I think so. I think if you're going to give, if you're gonna give the, the players the best opportunity to develop and learn... That really involves going into great detail, studying games, and that's not just studying our games, that's studying opposition and that's studying, you know, practice at the very highest level of the game. Um, and we use that to to really strengthen the work that we're doing on the grass, don't we? And um, the players now, I think the modern player actually, to some degree, almost demands it um, because they want to they want to improve, they want to be better, they want to understand, they want to see it and they want to feel it. And um, yeah, analysis is absolutely you know the bedrock of that. So as, as Charlie says, we spend just as much time um, with our laptops really getting into the, the nitty gritty as we do on the grass. Um, and you have to enjoy both elements. Take us into the dynamic of you guys as a coaching unit, as a coaching team. What's it like? Is it always strictly business? Do you have a laugh? Are you friends outside of, of, of work? How, how does it work? What's the dynamic like? Yeah, for sure. For sure we're friends. Like it, it's, we, we do work hard. We put a lot of hours in and obviously that's driven by the gaffer. Like very, very, very driven. Doesn't take many days off, etc. Like all, all of the stuff that I'm sure you've probably heard before. But I have to say, from a personal <coughs> perspective, this coaching group, that I'm a part of now is is by far the best camaraderie and togetherness I've I've ever experienced. Um, can can genuinely say that we're all friends. We all like each other. Mm. Um, we spend time with each other away from work. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we get the balance right, don't we? It's, it's, I'd agree. Yeah. I'd agree. For me, actually, that was one of um, one of my biggest like worries because I've come out of a changing room after 20 years of being in the thick of it with um, players that are young and old and a real nice blend and different types of different cultures within those changing rooms that I've been in over the years. And um, that, was one of my, that was one of the things I was most scared about was going into a really stiff and stifling and um, awkward office type situation, which um, you walk into day one and it's like, oh God, I'm in an office for the first time in my, in my working life. And, um, I've got a computer in front of me and um, I've got pens here and a screen there and this is all very new and um, after about five minutes of being in the office I realise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be alright here because as Charlie mentioned there we've got such a good dynamic between us um, the five of us um, it's such a good place to come in and work we always make room for each other as human beings as well as you know the coaches and 
um, yeah, who we are as coaches. So it's it's a really good place to work, really good place to work, and I think that's obviously helping us to then give the players a, a good product day to day. Let's take a pause and get a line or two from our sponsors, Flexamize. Funding your business doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to take weeks. It doesn't need to involve your bank. At Flexamize, we believe there's a different way to do things. We take the hassle out of finance so you can get on with what you do best, running your business. Think of us as your trusty sidekick with the power to boost your business with fast, flexible loans built for you. Visit us at Fleximize.com or call our Ipswich office on 01473 208 108. Fleximize. Business finance done properly. Lee, when you look back at your career and you look back at the managers that you work with and you think about how managerial teams have evolved, this is really up there in terms of the advancement and what I'd call the new model for football, the head coach and the the generals underneath and, and sort of, you know, the capo regime underneath. Um, it's really evolved, doesn't it? You, you, you must have played for the old school manager, assistant manager, goalkeeping coach and then trainer maybe. There might have been someone who's, who's on the periphery. It must be so different when you sit back and think about 20 years ago. I mean, did you play for John Gregory at Derby? John Gregory, you think about him, his assistant, the goalkeeping coach, and, and just how football has evolved as well. Um, for sure, for sure. It's, um, it's different and I think it's evolving for the better. Um, I do believe that the way we work, we're able to give give the players the attention that they need and the time that they need. Um, of course, working with, so myself working with the forwards, Charlie working with the midfielders predominantly, and Martin working with the defenders, Reg working with the goalkeepers, the manager overseeing everything else. It gives us the opportunity to break things down in a little bit more detail, but that also doesn't stop us from crossing over. There's no, there's no hard lines where I can't talk to any of the midfielders and, Charlie can't talk to any of the forwards, absolutely not. We all enjoy, I think, actually crossing over those lines from time to time and getting the opportunity to, to work across. And the manager's very careful to make sure we all get the opportunity to do that, which is great. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that drives it for me is, is that the feeling of always thinking, well, if I was a player, what would I want? And um, reality is I would, love, I would have loved to have had the attention and um, just coaches that cared and wanted to really put the time and effort in to um, to help us improve. And yeah, so for me personally, um, putting my put my playing shoes back on, it it would have been it would have been ideal, and it would have been something I would have been like, yeah, you know, I wish I'd have had a little bit more of in my career, to be honest. Do you remember when um, when Boss first came in in December and Lee wasn't? with us and it was just Boss, Purdy, myself and Reg and we, we were doing fine, the environment was, was good, we were doing a lot of the same things that we're doing now um, but the impact that it's had having an extra member of staff and someone as, as competent as, as Grant is, I think it's just allowed us to reach more of the lads and give, and give an even better product than what we, we probably were when we first came in and probably at the time when Lee wasn't with us, you didn't, you didn't notice the need for it because you were just head down. But then actually when he came in and you get a year down the line and you realise how much things have improved and how much more individual attention we can give each of the lads, you realise that oh, it was an absolute no-brainer bringing an extra member of, of, of staff in. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it just made me think yeah. about when you... Yeah, when you talk about, I think that's the th important thing. We're always we're so concerned with, are we giving the players enough? And that really is like the thing that is on the front of our minds every day, isn't it? Are we giving the players enough? Who needs what? So the fact that we've got a pair of hands really for um, every department within the team almost is is perfect. I think I think it's perfect. And as you said, it's not everybody works with everyone, and obviously Gaffer oversees all of it, but the lads kind of know they've got a point of accountability or a point of support, you know, w mm. within
each of the coaches, everybody cut. There's kind of clear lines of communication from you know the forwards to yourself, the midfielders to me. So yeah, I think I think it's worked really well. We're aligned, um, and it's just allowing us to give the players more and more. Um, yeah, let's talk about those departments then. Start in the midfield. Obviously, Sam Morsi, Sam Morsi, Skippers. It's just he's industrious, isn't he? And I mean, I, a Stoke. A Stoke City journalist uh, was having dinner with me and we were having dinner with someone else and he, he turned around and, and we were playing another club a week later and he goes, go on Ipswich, what do you reckon? And he goes, don't, don't give Morsi time. Don't give him time to marinate and do what he wants because otherwise he'll boss it, he'll control it. He's been phenomenal back in the championship. Really sad news about Lee Evans and, and his injury and he will be hugely missed. One person who's turning into the um, the darling of Portman Road. It's also, I, I love him as well. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's Massimo Luongo. Wow, yeah. what a guy! He on his day is what I call a champagne footballer. He's he's just different class. Tell me about t- do it, do it. I love <laughs> him. I'm absolutely besotted with him. I love him to bits. Um, but tell me about him having Sam and I mean Jack Taylor as well. We cannot forget him. We, we've got a real embarrassment of riches and, and real quality in that midfield area. Yeah, undoubtedly really happy with the unit that we've got. Cam Humphreys uh, yeah. as well and Don Ball um, that weren't mentioned. Um, yeah, we're, we're really, really happy with the unit. I think the common, the common thread again, you spoke about um, Sammy, you spoke about Mass, guys that are senior players that have been in the championship, played in League One and, and come back again. From those, from those lads, the senior ones, to say like a Cam who's just starting out in his career and and developing, the common thread is I, I genuinely feel like they're all still trying to improve and get better and develop their games. So if you if you take like a, a Skip, for instance, Sam Sam Morsey, um, I think he'd, he'd say by his own admission, the gaffer's been able to come in and actually add some things to his game that he maybe wasn't doing previously or, or maybe didn't even have the license to do under under different managers so I think he's, he's kind of added some elements to his game you know the gaffer's kind of given him the, the keys to do that but then Sammy you, you watch him you watch him work day to day on the, on the training pitch and the, there's a there's a clear desire there to improve and, and add things to his game and when you've got a captain that behaves like that it just it just transcends throughout the group and if you look at the other end of the spectrum, you know, like a, a Cam Humphreys, it's, it's exactly the same personality traits. And I think it's a really nice sort of melting pot of players we've got in that unit. Um, we know it's a strong unit. We know it's, it, you know, it's, it's really good for the level. But the most important thing is, is the personalities that we've got in there and the fact that each and every one of them just, just want to get better, want to add things to their game, really open to learning. And yeah, I think, just in a great place with it. I call that front six the swarm because there are points where an opponent will not be able to breathe. They cannot breathe. They're sat in their own half. And every time they try and pop the ball out, someone is there making be it a last-ditch challenge. I mean, it was so impressive to watch against Hull. I mean, a whole side who came here as... as a good side, a, a team that were really re- well respected at the start of the season. Liam Rosina, again, uh, along with the gaffer, has been touted as he's fantastic. Yeah, he's he's come in as a, a fantastic prospect, as a, as a brilliant head coach. But they couldn't lay a glove on Ipswich Town, and it was incredible to see. Um, Lee, just looking at that attacking unit, one thing that I love, and a lot of people have commented on throughout the football league is the fact that Ipswich Town can effectively replace like-for-like in-game. So you'll have four on pitch who will do a shift for 60 minutes, and then you'll have four fresh off the bench who will come on and do a shift for uh, for, for half an hour. What an embarrassment of riches to have that many quality attacking options. And it's not as if we've got loads of players on the books for the sake of it, no. You've got players here who are performing and who arguably, you sit there, you look at the lineup on a Saturday and you're like, well, he's got a case to start and he's got a case to start. And it must be a real headache for the boss and for you guys to, to decide 
how to go about it? Well, yeah, you're right. And um, there's been many weeks when I'm really glad I'm not the one picking the team. And um, I think um, the cup games have really highlighted the points that you're making this season so far. And it's been, it's been really a real pleasure, actually, watching those boys that perhaps um, haven't started the games that they would have wanted to have started in the league, but have been absolutely dialed in and focused week in, week out, day in, day out on the training ground to allow themselves to actually be ready for when the opportunities um, have come their way. And uh, in terms of starting games, that's that's been in the in the cup games when we've made sort of the sort of like for like changes or the four and four. Um, but of course, in the league, we've done it plenty of times, and the manager very often you'll see will will use all of his substitutions, and um, he does that because he's safe in the knowledge that the players entering the field will um, give us something more. There'll be no drop off. There'll be um, there'll be absolutely, as I say, dialed into the detail of what we're asking them to do. Um, and what's needed in that moment and the context of that game. Do you look at it as a recipe, though? Because everyone has their own sort of miniature skill set. I looked at Freddie Ladapo coming on against Hull, Mm -hmm. and all he was trying to do is hold off the defender, turn, shoot, turn, shoot, turn, shoot, because he knows he's deadly at that. Caden Jackson pays, Connor Chaplin having that technical ability, Omari Hutchinson pays trickery, bravery to go and do his thing. It's very mathematical, isn't it? You know yeah. that there's going to be an end result. It's just a case of plugging in the, the right numbers. That's right. I mean, of course, the boys work together day in and day out, so they know where each other's strengths and weaknesses lie. And it's for them on the field of play to make sure they're trying to play to those as best as possible to give us the right outcome. But they're, they're doing that all within the structure that the manager's you know, given them. Um, and that's the thing that, I think pleases us the most and I'm sure the fans notice it is that people are coming into the side and they're ready and um, the forwards have really sort of typified that I think over the past weeks in terms of I say that everybody's done it everybody's done it recently the Wolves game showed that Um, but of course for me I'm looking specifically at you know are the forwards are the forwards doing that as well and um, that's been a really pleasing aspect as you say lads coming into the side really ready to perform regardless of whether it's um, somebody who's like Freddie and, and Hursty, for example, whose strengths are, are very different, but are able to come in and perform to a higher level um, and do what they do best within that team structure to really you know, help the team get a good outcome. I think the, I think the subs as well is kind of um, a result of the demands of the league. Um, we know it's a, it's a much more physically demanding league a lot more high intensity actions and we spoke a lot at the start of the season about needing to um, like our pressing would have to be at its at its most intense it's it's ever been for as long as possible in games there's there's more teams that want to play with the ball so you have to press them more yeah. and we have a bit of a phrase around like finishing on your backs we call it don't mm-hmm. we like finishing on your back so the front boys kind of know um it, it might just be 60 minutes of completely emptying the tank, working as hard as you possibly can, and then you're just tagging your mate in for the, mm. for, for the last half an hour. And I think the lads have really bought into that, particularly yeah, the front yeah. boys, because they're kind of the ones that tend to get rotated a bit more yeah. in, in game. And actually, we place like so much onus on our forward players for the work out of possession. Everybody talks about, or wants to talk perhaps, about the goals we score and, and how creative the, the team is, but that forward unit has huge responsibility in terms of how they lead and, and set the press um, and, and how, we, you know, how we approach games out of possession. You say that, but that's what I call the back end, the back office of it. So you have the technicals of it. When we're looking at it from the front, do you go out there to intimidate teams with the quality of the attacking players who have, especially hit 52 goals in 15 games? There's teams that won't hit 52 goals in a season. Barely will. It feels as though Portman Road is becoming such a dangerous play place for play, people to come and play football because they know they're going to get it. Well, I think we try to start every game with a real intent, don't we? Especially here, we the manager talks a lot about 
um, giving the fans and giving the stadium a product that they want to come and watch every week. Um, and that's not for vanity's sake. That's for um, we want the we want the town and we want the supporters of this football club to come and enjoy spending their hard-earned cash supporting a, a group of a group of men that are really going out there trying to trying to win a game of football, but do it in a way that's going to um, yeah, it's going to be pleasing. It's going to be pleasing on the eye. It's not just going to it's not just going to be a rough and tumble. Um, throw the chips up in the air and see where they land. And um, I think that's, the manager's made a real, you know, made a real strong point of, of, of that to the boys. And I think they've took it on. They, they want to play, they want to play a brand of football that's exciting for the fans. Um, it's, a, it's a mindset as well, isn't yeah. it? We, we agreed at the start of the year that we wanted to attack every game, mm. home or away, attack every game. And, it's a fund- fundamental belief of ours as a, as a staff and obviously the boss. Like We, we want to be the, the team that attack the game. We want to be the team with the ball. We want to press. We want to create chances. Um, and we agreed on that at the start of the year, didn't we? And, and as Grantley said, the lads, the lads are fully bought into that as well. They wanted to have a crack at the championship where they could show, their, show all of their qualities. And playing in this way, I, I feel, allows them to show stuff that maybe they haven't been able to show in the past. That's such a fear, though, from a supporter's perspective, where a team will come up playing a brand of football which is entertaining, which will be effective, which will set a bit of a precedent as well with supporters. And then what happens is, is you come into a division, and again, I go back to what Mark Ashton said on the very first episode of this podcast, that... As a club, we're looking for quality rather than quantity. The players need to come in and fit what we are doing as a unit. But you'll have people who struggle or they can't quite implement it. One or two results go badly, they abandon it. Abandon it and let's play safe and let's try and defend and let's try and be pragmatic in what we do. And then you lose your identity. And surely that's such a big part of what you guys are doing, building identity foundation so that people know what Ipswich are all about it, it, it's crucial yeah you're, yeah, you're dead right and, and we, you know, we, we've had a good start to the season but there's been there's been a lot of challenges along the way like you take say the Sunderland game first game of the season mm-hmm. we weren't you know I'm sure everyone's aware we weren't happy with the way that we pressed them not completely happy you know there was we, we didn't manage to get as much pressure on them as we as we wanted to but our process then is not to is not to think actually no we can't do that it's, it's okay let's watch it together Let's agree on some things on on how we can do it better and press better and and try and give the lads belief that way. We've we've watched it. It's not something that we can't do. It's just some small tweaks that we need to make. We're capable of it. Let's go and show it. And we've had some games previously against teams that have played in in similar ways. Um, you know that, that want the ball, that want to play against you, and we've shown that you know, we can do that. So that's a big part of building belief. I think it's working. It's working through those tough moments, and as you say, not not just abandoning it. Just you, you're constantly working to improve. It's your job to give everyone entertainment on the pitch. It's my job to take everyone sort of to the heart of the action here, and and take them behind the scenes. So I want to ask you a question. Obviously, there's going to be bits of the question where you might be like, "Oh, well, I can't say that. I can't say that." But be as honest as you can. Tell me what happened when we went two 0 down to Wolves on the bench. Tell me exactly what happened because, let's be fair, bar Sunderland, that's probably the first bit of adversity you face this season. Big crowd here. League Cup. This is a club which will get in 10s and 12s on a midweek and now there's 20 plus thousand indoors to watch a club that are struggling in the Premier League somewhat, Wolves, under Gary O'Neill. What happened at 2-0 down? Who said what to who? What did the boss say? Because... The reaction was magnificent. Well, the the answer is probably not the one you look you're going to be looking for, um, but um, I can give you the whole truth because it's actually it's actually not that exciting. The um, the work that goes on on a day to day basis, I think, really lays the foundation for what happens at two nil down. So um, it's not a case of panic and um, Everybody stand by your beds and, as Charlie said before, throw everything out, 
you know, with the dishwater. It's it's a case of trust and belief and staying the course. And actually, um, sometimes just by being calm, which the manager always is, always finds a way to be, surprises me somehow with his half times and his manner on the sideline. Um, just by being calm and allowing the players to to do what they do, inevitably they find a way. And um, I think the act, the way the game changed in terms of um, Wolves perhaps going 2-0 up and that changing the dynamic of the game for them um, and perhaps taking um, some of the pressure away from us, that would have had an impact on, on the dynamic of the game, I believe. But really it comes down to the players on the pitch trusting and believing in what they're doing um, and not panicking. And Was the pressure on us going into the game? Was it was it a case of, look at these boys, top end of the championship, fresh out of League One, who do they think they are, playing a Premier League outfit? Was it a case of us, it's all on us now? I don't believe so at all. No, I don't no, believe I so at all. definitely saw it as a, just, just another opportunity to go out and play mm. under the lights. Um, going back to the 2-0 down moment, I, I remember it pretty vividly. At the time, I remember thinking, we're playing all right here. Doing yeah. abs- we're doing absolutely fine. We don't really need to change too much. I think there was still a genuine belief that we were doing a lot of the right things. A couple of goals had gone in for various reasons, but it wasn't anything structural. There wasn't anything too too wrong with the performance. So it was very much just a case of keep keep doing the same things and you know, we should be able to work our way back into the game. And, yeah. and, and obviously that's the, the way it happened. It wasn't just like... We didn't, we didn't come back through luck or anything like that. We came back through just continuing doing the things that we were doing and that got us, um, you know... And, the, and, the and we scored at the right time. We scored at, we scored at good times yeah. that allowed the boys to, you know, carry on more confidence from what we believed was actually a really steady and solid start against a Premier League outfit with top, top-class individuals in it. So the goal gave us some confidence and then once the second one goes in shortly afterwards... I think the players very quickly realise that they've got a real chance here and their natural instincts and the, and the principles and the day-to-day work all takes over. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we get a really good result from it. That was that felt like, like a checkpoint along the way. I mean, if we... And, I mean, hopefully there is success at the end of this season because it would be magic, wouldn't it? But if there is you look back at that game and think, wow, that was like a, that was like a mini hurdle, wasn't it? Because the, the feeling afterwards was electric. Like being up in the stands right at the top of the, the, the Magnus Group stand was mad. Like everyone's going crazy because it just felt, it felt like a, a seismic moment in the new era of Ipswich Town. But every game's been a challenge like that though. We, we found yeah. the staff being 1-0 up and hanging on to a lead at QPR how do we cope with that against top quality championship players and are we able to do that are we able to are we able to retain a lead are we able to continue when we started a game really well all of those things i think have um have been real challenges that the boys have looked forward to we've certainly looked forward to it as staff every week and um i don't think the wolves game was any different actually my penultimate question to you um is about the fact that this club is now a real family and everyone knows that looking from the outside as well. The boys are a band of brothers. Is that led by generals in the dressing room or is that artificially also put in by you? I hate using the word artificially. It's a horrible word, but is that also driven by you guys as well to build a culture? Yeah, it's everything in in reality. I think it's been well documented. It's been a club-wide approach over a period of time now. So um, for sure, we've got a group of players um, in the dressing room that do everything that they can to integrate new players and they've got a really good togetherness about them. Um, certainly the best I've, I've ever experienced um, in, terms of the, in terms of the dressing room. Um, us as a coaching staff, not to you know, pat ourselves on the back, but yeah, we, we try. Like we try to make the environment as enjoyable as possible every day and that was one of the things that you know that the lads asked of us you know to to be able to come in and work hard and um and enjoy their work every day so i i definitely think that's helped 
um, foster some togetherness, but then then also the work that you know Mark and his guys are doing at the you know the top end of the club. I think all of those things coming together is kind of the the package that you see um, on the match day. I agree. I agree. I think this club is um, is working incredibly hard at, at all levels from you know academy staff to first team staff to foundation to the players to the people that are working in operations around the stadium you can see the smiles on faces and you can see there's a real determination within the club to to lift and move the club forward and that's um that's a really nice place to be and um yeah i think it helps that we're winning games and um that's bringing a good feeling to to the club as as a whole in general, um, and su- perhaps supporting um, and aiding some of that that work that's going on. But um, I think regardless, um, the work that's going on, as as Charlie's mentioned, with Mark and his team, and um, I certainly think the manager has been a real um, important factor in driving a lot of that as well, because um, it's so important to him um, in terms of the culture and environment around this the football club in general we're going to have to wrap this up but I just want to end and ask how you're both enjoying life in Suffolk and, and what? how do you unwind how do you relax um, usually, in fr- usually in front of the laptop doing a bit more work <laughs> no <laughs> um, yeah it's been, it, people have been great down here since, since I've been down here and then just over a year and a bit um, it's a wonderful place it's certainly a lot warmer than um, Manchester I was previously so um, yeah absolutely no complaints whatsoever from me yeah, yeah, no, I lo- love it. I've uh, moved here. Uh, my fiance's moved here as well. We're really, um, we're really happy. Um, your question was, what do we do to how do you, unwind? how do you unwind you? Um, probably the first thing that springs to mind. We did a little half marathon recently. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we've been doing a fair bit of running. Um, we get quite competitive as a, as a staff actually every now and yeah. again, don't we? Yeah. So uh, usually yeah. some some form of exercise. Um, yeah. Well, guys, thank you for joining us here on the official club podcast on Town TV. Uh, Lee Grant and Charlie Turnbull, everybody. Uh, Enjoy the international break. We'll be back after it.